we are preaching plainly. We are going through the basic foundations of our faith. Very basic things that all Christians should know. And in plain preaching so that the children may understand. And I find that when I preach to the children specifically, I find that the adults actually get it better too. Um, last week we talked about <coughs> bodies and souls and what it meant. Just basic stuff. And you find that so many people don't really know what those things mean. Today we're going to preach about life and death. And such a simple thing. But as it says here in Romans 14, not one of us lives for himself and not one of us dies for himself. Us. We are Christians and we don't live for ourselves. And as a result, we also don't die for ourselves. And that seems like a basic thing. But you find when you look into the world, when you look at what the world is doing, the world lives for itself. The people who do not believe in God, who have no penitent faith in Christ, live for themselves. And so, as a result, they die for themselves. Now, that's a, a horrible thing. Now, when you think about it, on the surface, you think, oh, well, that doesn't sound too bad. But when you die to yourself, you are unable to save yourself. When you die, when you live selfishly, we are all sinners. We are all subject to sin. Sin is a burden upon us. But even the most unbelieving person is still held aloft in this life by the grace of God. God is working in every single person's life. In the Christian, God is working inside of us. His Holy Spirit abides in us. The Holy Spirit does amazing things. The Holy Spirit makes this make sense to us. This Bible actually makes sense. The Holy Spirit stirs up our conscience. God gave us a conscience which tells the difference between good and evil. The Holy Spirit in us stirs up and points out, you sinned here because you're not magically cured of sin as soon as you become a Christian. You continue to sin. The only difference is the Holy Spirit starts shouting at you and making your conscience come alive. And saying, you sinned here. Get on your knees and repent. Sometimes you need a father and a mother to tell you that as well. That's why God gave you fathers and mothers. To tell you, you sinned here. You need to repent. Not one of us lives for himself. The Holy Spirit is with us. And 
when we die, that's actually the beginning of life eternal. The Holy Spirit continues to help us. An unbeliever will have the Holy Spirit outside of him, not inside of him, but God's Spirit guides people. That's why you have a lot of people who don't believe but seem to be pretty happy and successful in life. God is doing all that. If he let us go, if he let them go and have their sin have their way with them, they would fall quite rapidly in the eyes of others. Now what happens is when an unbeliever dies, that's exactly what happens. God lets that person go. This person has not wanted God all their life. God has graciously allowed their lives to be lived without too much horror. A lot of people do have a lot of horror in their lives. Sometimes God uses that to turn us to him in life. But there are many people who have pretty smooth lives and have never wanted God, have never acknowledged God in any way, don't want to have anything to do with him. They've heard bad things about him anyway, and it's just fine by them. And what happens is upon death, God says, okay, I'm backing off. You now are going to die for yourself. You lived for yourself. You will now die for yourself. And what happens is the sins that we never, that they never acknowledged as being there now run their lives. That's hell. Without God intervening at all. Let things just go their own way. Now, as Christians it says here, none of us lives for himself. None of us dies for himself. But there are people who live for God with the expectation that God's going to let them live for themselves afterward, in the next life. And God will just say, good job, go be, a, go be your own God. That's not going to happen. There are also people who don't live for God here, who expect God to just take over upon death. I, I was a good person. And God says, no. You live for me in this life. You will live for me in the next life. If we live, we live for the Lord. If we die, we die for the Lord. It's a consistent thing. God is in control of our lives here. We've given up our old lives. We've given up living for ourselves. And he carries us into the next life. And that's really important. That's a good thing. We fundamentally, because of the modern time we live in, we fundamentally want to be in control. And so we think, I don't want to be a slave to anybody. I don't want to be a servant to anybody. That's actually bad history. We look at the history of the world and we see slaves and servants and those were all bad things. So it's hard for us to get our minds around being a slave 
being a good thing. But in this one situation, us dying to ourselves and being servants of God, being slaves of God, willing slaves of God, is an uplifting thing, is a thing, as C.S. Lewis says, actually makes us more of ourselves than we've ever been, even in this world when we were living selfishly. Therefore, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. He doesn't say we live for the Lord, we die for the Lord. He finished saying that. Paul now says, whether we live or die, we are the Lord's. We are his possession. And he will take care of us. It's actually a good thing to know that someone, the creator of the universe, the vast mind that is running everything, is not going to let you fall is not going to let you go. We are the Lord's. And then Paul says, For to this end Christ died and lived again, that he might be Lord both of the dead and of the living. Jesus was crucified. He died. Three days later he rose again. And the world saw this is reality. Not the reality that we've been told, but the actual reality is you die and you will be resurrected. And if you die in Christ, you will be resurrected in Christ. If you live for the Lord, you will die and live again to the Lord. If you die apart from the Lord and live apart from the Lord and die, you will then be eternally separated from the Lord. When we look at our gospel reading, we have this very interesting thing when the Greeks come and they're seeking Jesus for the first time, the bunch of them. Throughout the gospels, you have isolated situations of people, of, of Greeks, Gentiles, needing Healing. Help. My father, my, or my father's sick, my, my daughter is sick, and Jesus heals them because he sees their faith. This one situation, we have a bunch of Greeks coming to the festival saying, we're looking for Jesus. And they tell Jesus that these people are looking for him, and he answers them saying, all right, it's time. Now that the world, the outside world, outside of the Jewish faith here, is seeking me, it is time for me to be glorified. What he's talking about is his death and resurrection. It's time for the world to witness reality. It's time for the world to witness my death and my resurrection so they can see with eyes of faith that this is what's going to happen to them. And he says, The hour has come for the Son of Man to be glorified. Truly, truly... I say to you, unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. What does that mean? It's a metaphor for us. 
unless we die to ourselves, we will remain alone. It's mirroring what Paul just said in his letter to the Romans. If we live for ourselves, when we die, we are alone. God is no longer with us. Now, he's everywhere. He's a vast mind who's in charge of everything. But he, we have asked for the separation throughout our lives, and he separates himself. C.S. Lewis has a really amazing book called The Great Divorce. And what he shows is a, is a speculation of what hell would be like without God. Because God is not there, and he allows the people to live their lives. But because everyone is sinful, and he's no longer protecting them from their sin, mastering them. Remember what God says to Cain before Cain kills his brother, Abel. He says, get a hold of your sin, or it will master you. And of course, Cain doesn't. And sin masters him and he kills his brother and is lost. Get a hold of your sin, repent, put your faith in Christ before your sin takes over. When you die and you haven't repented and you haven't put your faith in Christ, you're not living for God, living for the Lord. You're now living for yourself and God says, there you go, live for yourself. C.S. Lewis once again says, there are two types of people. There are people that kneel before God and say, thy will be done. And the other people are people that God says to them, thy will be done. You wanted this. You didn't want me. You wanted this. Bye-bye. And that's what those first couple of chapters of The Great Divorce show the gray city where nothing works, where people try to live the lives that they lived back on earth, but everything goes wrong because hell is like the worst day of your life here, magnified. You can't get along with anybody. You isolate. You're alone because you try to interact with another citizen of hell. And you can't, you can't see eye to eye. You just argue and just said, fine, I don't want to see you again. Um, there's a little scene where a couple of guys go light years, take this long journey to a distant house where Napoleon lives. And he's far away from everyone. And they look in the window and they see him pacing back and forth, saying, it's not my fault. It's not my fault. It's not my fault. Unless a grain of wheat falls into the earth and dies, it remains alone. But if it dies, it bears much fruit. If we die to ourselves, and I know it's a hard thing, but we can do it through faith in Christ. Christ will help us do it. The first step is repenting of your old lives. You turn away from all that fun stuff that you were doing that made you happy. Now you're like, oh no, I gotta get rid of all the fun stuff that made me happy. 
No, the joy lies in Christ. Because all that stuff that you thought was making you happy doesn't really make you happy. And all you got to do is just stick with it for a while. And you'll see. It gets old and boring. And you're like, I don't want to. I like, I like collecting vinyl records. And there are, there I'll, go for, I'll go for weeks where I'm just like, it's just not interesting. I don't, I don't, I don't want to do anything. Because we are constantly distracted by all the pleasures that this world has to offer. And we try one thing for a while and it fails. And then we switch over to another thing. The sad thing about this generation is that there are so many different things for people to try. So people never reach the end of their rope. So they'll go, wait. This says, get rid of all that stuff. Die to that stuff and live to me and you will have joy. You'll have joy in suffering. That's something nobody wants. Well, I want to spin my records. But he says, no, give that up. And come follow me, and you'll be persecuted. And we say, I don't want that. But then we, when we suddenly realize that we have joy in persecution, being persecuted. That's why those Beatitudes are all, blessed are those who mourn. Have you really mourned? I mean, we lose loved ones and we mourn. But have you mourned for the world? Have you... Open up the newspaper or, or open up your phone and look at the news and you go, oh, this is horrible. And you're mourning. You hear about fellow Christians being killed in the Middle East and you mourn. And then what God does is his spirit inside of you begins to give you joy. Not in a, woohoo, yay, Christians are dying all over the world but God is still in control he's still sovereign he's master of everything he's going to make everything right that's what dying to yourself and living for the Lord means he who loves his life loses it he who lives for himself, when he dies, all that is gone. You can't take it with you. You can't take your vinyl records with you. You can't do it. You lose your life. All that stuff goes away. All that stuff you tried out to make yourself happy goes away. And he who hates his life in this world, and that's a strong word, but it's a comparative word. As long as we put ourselves first, we love ourselves. Even if we're depressed, people are always putting ourselves down. That is a form of narcissism. That's a form of self-love. To always say, oh no, I'm not good enough. It's still self-love. Hating yourself is not putting yourself down it's that you don't even come it doesn't even come to mind you're so into Christ that the thoughts of yourself aren't there anymore 
Now, I know this is not accomplishable perfectly. We do go back to ourselves. But that's what living for the Lord means. We're putting him first in all things. We're looking at the world through the lens of Christ, like, like glasses. We're seeing through Christ-colored glasses. And when we die, he glorifies us. He purges off all of that garbage that was trying to hang on. But because we were living for Christ and we hated ourselves, not in the, not in the deprecatory way, but in the, I'm not even giving myself a thought. I'm thinking of God and he is encouraging me to think of my neighbors. Which is all of you when you're here. And my family, primarily because they're with me all the time. They're the good works that God has given me to do. They're the fruit that I bear. And as he says, if it dies, if I die to myself, I will bear much fruit. This fruit carries it into the next life. This fruit continues. Not the selfish fruit when I was bestowing upon myself all my goods and services. But when I started loving my neighbors more than myself. And not thinking of myself and thinking of them first. My, my, my wife and children and my congregation and then outward concentric circles away from myself, which today includes all of you, those things carry. My sharing the gospel with you today carries into the next life. He who hates his life in this world will keep it to life eternal. If anyone serves me, Jesus is speaking, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. We all say, oh yeah, I'm going to follow in his footsteps. Where are they? Where's, where's the path? I'll, I'll, I'll look for his footsteps. Following him means looking at him as well. It's not just, okay, when I'm ready, I'm going to find that path that Jesus took and I'm going to go. Following is like you're right behind him. And you may follow him to persecutions. You may follow him to death. But he says, if anyone serves me, he must follow me. Not later. Now. Reading your Gospels and seeing what he did. And taking that course of action in your life too. He must follow me, and where I am, there my servant will be also. You need to be following Jesus to the point where if Jesus turns around, there you are. Not way back there. Or, where are you? Oh, I'll be following you, don't worry. I'm coming. Where, am I, where I am, there my servant will be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him with everlasting life. If you live for the Lord, you will die for the Lord. He showed us in his death and his resurrection, you are metaphorically dying to your old life, and he resurrects you. He makes you born again as a new person in Christ. The trace of the old person is there. The sin of the old person is there trying to claw you back. But, the, but if you have the Holy Spirit, he will continue 
to open this up for you. He will continue to stir your conscience. And he will continue to sanctify you. Sanctifying you. Cleansing you. As you go through this life. Every time you sin. He points it out to you. And asks you. Begs you. To change your ways. And that's a hard thing to do. But if we keep our eyes focused on Christ, it becomes easy. The problem is we don't. We tend to not focus on Christ. There are too many distractions. But all those things are passing away. And Christ remains. He's our ark. And if you're not on the ark, when everything gets washed away and you can't see anything but water for miles, you'd be very happy you're on that ark. That you put your faith in Christ, got on the ark, unlike every other person in the world except for Noah and his family. This time, all believers get on the ark and are saved. That's what the gospel's about. Amen.